Dr. Heyman. Yeah. Amen. That's my best friend. We've been rocking for about 30 years, right, bro? And he is my brother and his lovely wife, Jennifer, and to the leadership of this church. To my brother ministers, to my wife of my youth, to Wanda, amen. And to my new direction family, and I do call y'all family. Let me tell you why, because when I talk about y'all, when I brag about y'all, I say I'm going to see my cousins down south. You know what I mean? We up north, Christian strongholds up north, but y'all my cousins down south. Y'all bring such a warm feeling whenever I'm around y'all. Matter of fact, my new thing is now my cousins is moving. They've, the Lord has blessed them with a new Ephesus, edifice, and, and they're about to move. So I'm excited about that. Um, I praise God for your ministry here. I knew I was home when I walked in the door and I seen Elder Gray, and he said, don't start nothing. It won't be nothing. <laughs> and I said, oop, there it is. I'm home now. Amen. So, Father God, we thank you to be able to assemble together, Lord God, during this special time for each one of us, oh God. We are not worthy, Lord God, but you are so magnificent, and we are so grateful for this time. Now, have your way, Lord God. Speak through every man that will be proclaiming your word this afternoon. You'll be glorified, Lord God. If, if, if you're not glorified, then our gathering is in vain. So have your way, O oh God. We'll be so careful to give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus would stand before Herod Pontius Pilate, the chief priests and the scribes. He was beaten and spit upon to the point that the flesh on his back was shredded. It was the third hour of the day, the next day. And our Lord would be found guilty of no crime, but led away to be crucified. He would be nailed to the cross and exclaim, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Beloved, I want to talk to you um, this afternoon about how to deal with your enemies. How to deal with your enemies. When you look at the text, you see that God himself in the person of Jesus Christ is praying for his enemies. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Lord. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around. Here they are. They nailed you to a rugged cross. Okay, the blood is pouring out of you. And you're praying for the murderers in the midst of a murder. You're offering up intercessory prayer for your crucifiers. And, Lord, I know better. You know better. We know better that you could have called on to the Father and got 12 legions of angels, which is about 72,000 angels, to come down and make Calvary a parking lot. Then why, Lord? It begs the question. We struggle with it. It begs the question, then why would you pray for your enemies? Here's my thought. I believe that the Lord was actually giving us a master class on how to deal with your enemies, even from the cross. 
You see, Jesus talked before about how to deal with your enemies in Matthew 5:44 when he says, "But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you." In Luke 6:28, "Lord, bless those who curse you for those who mistreat you." Jesus knows that by praying for enemies, things happen. Now, you might look at it at first glance and say, "Guess what?" Praying for your enemies means the good for only them. But can I talk to you for a minute? Praying for your enemies also means the good for you. Jesus knew that praying for your enemies, things happen within you. I like what John Piper says. The hearts of Christians are satisfied with God and are not driven by the cravings for revenge or self-exaltation or money or earthly security. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Check this out. The problem that we have when we have enemies is we take it upon ourselves to go after them. Can I say it another way? We give our enemies too much power. Some of y'all is stressed out, wore out, tore up, messed up because of enemies. And every time you think about them, every time you cross their path at work, every time you see them on your block, you messed up. Your blood pressure rises. You messed up. And Jesus was showing from the cross. He says, listen, this is how you deal with your enemies. Pray for them. Pray for them. Now you say, what, what, what do I pray for them? I don't, listen, the only thing I want to pray is that they get out of my way and that they leave me alone. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Here's what you pray. Everything you pray for yourself. Pray for your enemies. Here's the other benefits of dealing with your enemies. Guess what? God will grow you in the midst of dealing with your enemies. God will grow you in the midst of dealing with your enemies. He will grow you in the area of patience. Because while you're waiting for the deliverance of the Lord for your enemies, God is growing you. He will grow you in trusting him. Can I talk to you about David and Saul? Here was David, right? Hiding from Saul, right? He was on the lamb. He was hiding out in the cave. Okay, Saul walked into the cave, and guess what? He went in there to relieve himself, and David came upon him, and David's men came upon him. And guess what they said? Oh, this is a good day now. Oh, yeah, we see Saul now. He about to get it. And then they got spiritual on David. They said, yeah, the Lord has delivered him into your hands. And David said, no, uh-uh. David cut off a hem, little piece of a hem of his garment. And David was grief-stricken even to do that. The bottom line is David trusted God so much that he says, you know what, God? I'm not going to touch thy anointing. He belongs to you. I trust you so much. I'm not going to take it upon myself to do this thing in my own strength. Beloved, sometimes you're dealing with your enemies in your own strength. You're wearing yourself out. You're staying up all night trying to worry about what you're going to do to them to get them back. The other thing dealing with your enemy does, it, it makes you sensitive to others' needs. Several years ago, I um, had this, uh, this gentleman on my job, and 
He got he did some greasy stuff to me. Can I say greasy? He did some greasy stuff to me. And then it got all around the job, and, and we were in a common area, and a bunch of the guys got around and stuff like that, and, and they took up my reproach. And they said to the guy, they said, listen, hey, man, Dave doing that church thing, but we ain't doing that church thing. And if you do it again, we're going to smash you. Now, I got to tell you, in the flesh, I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll let this play out and see where this is going. The Holy Spirit says, stop it. Says, stop it. So I said to them, I said, you know, I'm, I'm okay, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I didn't really want to say that, but I said, I'm okay. I, you know, we'll be all right. And, and listen, uh, you know, this two show pass will be okay. Here's what happened. Later on that afternoon, that guy came to me and he says, hey, man, what church you go to? And I told him, and that brother came to church, gave his life to the Lord, and was a faithful servant for years to come until he went on to be with the Lord. We become sensitive to other people's needs. Can I tell you something else? When you're obedient to God when dealing with your enemies, when you begin to pray for them, it moves the needle of God. It moves the hand of God. How many of y'all remember Stephen, the first deacon? Stephen, while he was before the religious leaders and explaining to them their history and how they had turned away from God in Acts chapter 7, he explained to them, and they began to get irate to the point where they began to stone Stephen. Stephen looked up to heaven, and guess what he saw? He saw Jesus standing on the right side of God. And I could just remember, I could just think about it, and I'm saying, wow, Jesus probably saying, look at my boy. Look at my boy. I know where that's coming from. That's coming from me. My boy is acting like me. Beloved, here's the other thing you got to remember, too, when dealing with your enemies. They ain't getting away with nothing. The problem is you think they, if you don't handle it, they're going to get away with it. That, that, that $20 that they took from you back in 1973, you think they're going to get away with it. When you do what God says do, when it pertains to your enemy, the Bible says it's equivalent to heaping burning coals on their head. Stop doing this in your own strength. My wife and I, uh, we got this thing now. We just celebrated our 37th wedding anniversary. Right, man? So we do this thing, right? We drive around now. She's going she gonna to get on me when we leave here today. But she does this thing, right? We do it together, actually, where we say, duh. Right? She's, I say, well, honey, I should have turned back there. I should have made a right turn back there. She said, duh. <laughs> you know? Or she'll say, you know, I should have preheated the oven or something like that. And I'll say, duh. Here's my point. Guess what? The soldiers and the people that would crucify Jesus, that was a dull moment. Can I tell you why? They thought that they were enacting punishment on the Lord Jesus, and they were. 
But here's the other thing with that. You got to get this. You got to get this. They were actually fulfilling prophecy. Duh. <laughs> I mean, they were, listen, there were eight prophecies that were fulfilled by these soldiers and the people that would crucify Jesus. Can I run them down for you? He was spit and smitten, Isaiah 56. He was crucified with criminals, Isaiah 53, 12. He was pierced through his hands and his feet, Zechariah 12, 10. He was scorned and mocked, Psalms 69, 9. Soldiers gambled for his garments, Psalms 22, 17, and 18. He was forsaken by God, Psalms 22, 1. No bones were broken, Psalms 34, 20. He was pierced in his side, Zechariah 12, 10. The very thing that Jesus would die for, they were doing. They were fulfilling prophecy. Thank you, God. Thank God for the dull moments. And then listen, finally, check this out. Check this out. When we read the text and we read the scriptures, sometimes if we're not careful, we will begin to look at it from a distance. And we'll say, you know what? I can't believe Jesus would be praying on the cross for his enemies. But can I tell you this? He wasn't just praying for the soldiers and the leaders and the enemies. They weren't the only ones on his mind. Can I tell you who else was on his mind? Come a little closer. Everybody in this room was on Jesus' mind. For he who knew no sin became sin for us. But God commended his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Are you excited today that God had you on his mind when he went to the cross? You ought to be excited about that. You ought to celebrate that. You ought to give him praise that guess what? He had you on his mind when he went to the cross. Amen. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they divided up his clothes by the casting of lots. Is he a good God? Is he a faithful God? Are you excited that you don't have to pay for your sins? You ought to praise him. You ought to say thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen. Bless the Lord in this place. Amen. Amen. Worthy to be praised, magnified, and glorified. Amen. I, I know it's a Friday afternoon, but the Lord is still worthy. Amen. Hallelujah. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, his name is worthy to be praised, magnified, and glorified. Amen. Amen. Trying to get this thing set up right. Amen. Bless the name of the Lord. Amen. I have been tasked with sharing the second word from Jesus Christ from the cross of Calvary, which is found in Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. Amen? Amen. And it reads as thus, Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, 
for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen, amen, amen. A pardon packed with power. A pardon packed with power. God, we thank you and bless you for this day and your manifold blessings of life, health, and strength. Be with us as we share the word of God. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. In the book of Genesis, it's recorded that the Lord went on a six-day creation spree. And his greatest creation within that six-day span was people. And as Jesus made his way to the cross of Calvary, he encountered several people that he had a destined to die for. For example, as Jesus made his way down the Via Adelarosa, he encountered a Syrian soul brother named Simon who carried the cross for Jesus. He encountered women weeping and wailing sorrowfully for him. Jesus encountered disciples who would run out on him. And as he came to the place of his crucifixion, he encountered Roman soldiers who mocked and made fun of him, which confirms to you and I that in this life, we will encounter people who will help and support us, as well as people who will abandon and despise us. But no matter the case, you can't let anything or anyone stop you from getting where God has appointed you to be. Jesus had a God-ordained appointment. But to get there, he had to encounter some people as well as some pain. And here in the second saying of Jesus Christ, as he hangs from an old rugged cross positioned on a mount called Calvary, he encounters two more people who are identified in the text as having the same occupation but not the same opinion about Jesus. I believe that's uh, relatable for many of us who work with people that are of the same occupation. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to Jesus, our opinions, our beliefs, our convictions about Jesus differ a great deal. But what I've noticed uh, uh, nestled in this uh, narrative is that if you have the proper opinion about Jesus, it will lead you to confess your faults to him which will position you to receive this pardon packed with power from Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. You see, while the robber on the left was reviling Jesus for talking bad about him, the robber on the right was taken up for Jesus, what his partner in crime was saying negatively about the Lord of glory. Amen? You need to stand up with somebody talking about your Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. You see, while the robber's heart on the left of Jesus was full of criticism and condescending words, the robber's heart on the right side of Jesus was full of confession, honesty, and humility. Look at this, y'all. In the presence of Jesus Christ. 
I believe this happened, y'all, because something shifted at the cross. Something happened at the cross. Uh, things changed at the cross for the robber on the right. I believe it's safe to say, Pastor Benson, that this brother had, he had a at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day moment. And the evidence would be in the pardon packed with power he would receive from Jesus for his confession of being a criminal and his request to be remembered by Jesus. Amen. When he came into his kingdom. Because truth be told, we all want to be remembered. I want to be remembered by my wife as a good husband. I don't want to be remembered by my children as a good father. I want to be remembered by my, uh, my pastor, my senior pastor, and my church family as a good assistant pastor. But even more, when all is said and done, Elder Gray, I want the Lord Jesus to remember me as a good and faithful servant. Now, what's mind-blowing about this brother's decision to confess and request is that even though Jesus is lifted up from the earth, while hanging from a cross, dressing his own blood from being beaten and brutalized, as well as being numbered among the transgressors, this brother, this robber by trade was still drawn to Jesus. You got to picture this, y'all. He's hanging, bloody, beaten, but this brother is still drawn to him. It's not about how he looks. It's about what he can do for you. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, see. Oh, my God. Now, now, now. It's mind-blowing, y'all. It's mind-blowing. Which solidifies the fact that what Jesus proclaims and declares will come to pass. Because Jesus said in John 12 and 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus' face being swollen, his limbs being stretched out of socket, and his body full of blood. He, the son of the living God, still had a redeeming quality about himself. And this robber who is on death row raised himself to be redeemed. Are you better ready to be redeemed this afternoon? Saved and forgiven for all his wrongs through this pardon packed with power. And this pardon packed with power is packed of power because it's prompt and it's punctual. Amen. I see you answer that in the back. Amen. But Jesus' reply to this brother's plea not to be forgotten is today. See, Jesus doesn't say tomorrow, y'all. Next week or another. He says today. You see, this, this pardon packed with power passed down by Jesus Christ was immediate. It was instant and it was in real time. Now, 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 what some church folk, any church folk in the house, don't raise your hand. And even scholars have an issue with, and this pivotal move by Jesus, is that Jesus didn't wait, look at this, y'all, 
for this brother to join a church. He ain't wait, Dantre. Get baptized or even speak in tongues to grab a hold of this pardon. No, this pardon by the great potentate was prompt and punctual because Jesus is always on time. This pardon, pardon is power packed because it's also personal. It's personal, y'all. But Jesus says today, look at this, you will be with me. Therefore, therefore, robber, no more rolling or hanging with or chilling with thugs, thieves, or criminals. No, no, for, for Jesus says now you will be rolling with me. Anybody want to roll with Jesus this afternoon? So, so, so when people see you, they will see me. Uh, when people talk to you, they will be talking to me. When people disrespect you, they will be disrespecting me. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, so when, when, ah, look at this, y'all. When people bless you, they will be doing it because you're connected to me. Yeah. When people elevate you on your job, yeah. in your church, yeah. and in your ministry, they will be doing it yeah. because you have a relationship with me. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So, Robert. Preacher, yeah. pastor, yeah. teacher, yeah. deacon, yeah. usher, yeah. minister, yeah. elder, yeah. Christian community. Yeah. You need to know on this Good Friday, Jesus is saying everything is about me. Yeah. And me love you so much that I sacrifice me for you. Therefore, 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 when sinners, the unsaved, the unchurched, and those who don't know which way to turn for help or healing come to you, your job, your calling, your mission, your goal, and your responsibility is to point them back to me. It's all about me, y'all. It's all about Jesus Christ is the me. Hallelujah that they too can receive this pardon packed with power, that their lives never be the same. Amen. Anybody life changed in this house this morning? But lastly, lastly, this pardon is packed with power because it promises to place you in paradise. Come on. You may be living in a shack right now, but this pardon packed with power, it promises you a place in paradise. Look at this last He says, today you will be with me in where? Paradise. Now, Jesus was able to top off this pardon with this promise because he was confident in where he was going. And, and, and it was paradise, i.e. heaven, a place of the blessed. Yeah. See, Jesus was in position to trade in this cross for a crown. Ah, yeah. oh, hallelujah. And because this robber was penitent, yeah. sorrowful yeah. for his sins and repentant, yeah. 
just like you and just like me. His pardon, our pardon, came with the promise to one day be residents in paradise. John the Revelator called it the paradise of God. Anybody want to go there? Now this pardon, packed with power, came by way of being prompt, punctual, personal, and full of promise by Jesus. But it didn't come easy. Uh, for Jesus had to suffer on the cross of Calvary for us that we would be in position and qualify for this pardon. Therefore, let us be mindful of that when we think about all that Jesus has done for us. Family, for he has blessed us with a pardon packed with power. But if you really think about it, in challenges of life, in turmoil, in trial and tribulation, you wonder, does Jesus care about me? Because that's really the question that's being settled in this text is, Jesus loves the world. Jesus was the agent of all creation that out of nothing Jesus created. My Bible says that he was before all things, and in him all things hold together. So at 
this pivotal moment in history at the crux of all of created time and order. This God of the universe who has since come down to us. He is not only transcendent and sits above, is able to count all the seconds and the milliseconds, the hairs on your head, but, but he is also able to descend into the, the very uh, uh, the place in which we live. And we know that he did not just live as a man just so that he could die. But he lived as a man so, he got, so that he could show us what living truly looks like. And in living, he says, family matters. He says, love matters. He says that if you're in my family, I'm not just thinking about you from a universal sense. If you are in my family, I'm thinking about you in a very personal and particular way. You know, it was 1985 uh, when, when there was a, a syndicated television show that dropped that I would, I would watch feverishly as, as a young boy. Animated show called The Care Bears. Amen. Care, Care Bears. Any, got, got any Care Bears watches in here? Any millennials? No? All right. Praise the Lord. But, uh, but The Care Bears... Uh, lived in the kingdom of caring. And, uh, and, and what the whole premise of the show was is that oftentimes uh, 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 there was, my, my son would call him the villain, okay? And the villain was Professor Coldheart. And what Professor Coldheart would do is he would visit people to try to discourage them uh, from understanding that they were cared for and by the people around them. Uh, uh, so what the Care Bears would do is they would show up on the scene and they would let people know in the midst of their distress that they were cared about. Uh, uh, so they would talk to the individual who Professor Coldheart was, was trying to discourage. They would say, no, you are cared for. You are loved. Sometimes sometimes they would, they would say, come on, bear, come on, bear. And the bears would gather around and they would say, they would chant, we care. We care. We care. And, the, and I don't know what would happen to the person, but, but suddenly whatever plans that Professor Coldheart had suddenly got tossed out the window because they felt the encouragement of their community. And I'm not straining too far from the text. We're going to get there in just a moment. But I just want to stress this simple deposit to you today that Jesus cares. So he said when in chapter 19, verse 26, it says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother. And don't, don't read the Bible too fast, okay? Don't, just, just don't do it, okay? It says, when Jesus saw. So I want you to know that, that, that in the midst of whatever circumstance you might find yourself in, that Jesus has heard, sees, and knows you. And, and, and this is the thing, too. It's even before you've seen, heard, or known yourself. 
uh, 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 sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we don't even really know how to interpret what we are seeing. Uh, we don't really know how to interpret what we are hearing and, and how we need to be heard and how we need to be known. But even before we get to that point, Jesus is already waiting. He already has the proper analysis of whatever it is that we need. So that's when it says, when he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Now, now it takes just a, a little bit of reading about the time back then, and it's still really true today, that the firstborn, who was Jesus, was the one who was in charge of taking care of his widowed mother. Amen? Uh, 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 it, in today's uh, age, it, uh, it oftentimes uh, we see the, the elderly or, or those who perhaps don't have much to offer being dismissed. But, but, but it's important that, that we hearken and that we love on the people we say we ought to love in the way that they need it. And, and Jesus, understanding that he would no longer be able to fulfill his earthly responsibilities. Now, you, you heard me say earlier that Jesus didn't come just to die, right? But he's, he's fulfilling all these particular things. He's not abandoning his responsibilities. Even while on the cross, he's still finishing out, writing his will, making out letters of testamentary that these are the things that are to happen upon my leaving. And he does not let aside even the human mother who brought him into this world. Woman, behold your son. He has elevated this disciple to, to a place of sonship for the purpose of caring for the mother that he would no longer be able to care for. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. It's, it's an interesting exchange. We, we understand Perhaps why Jesus is talking uh, to the disciple about caring for the mother. But why is Jesus talking to the disciple about uh, 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 now caring for this woman? We understand the former. But what is this particular statement doing? This disciple who had just walked years with Jesus, walked years with the living God. I don't know what that is to see miracle after miracle, healing after healing, a uh, 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 small and, and, and tiny intimate moments. It, say, it says the disciple whom he loved. You ever love somebody and you've lost them? Jesus is ministering to his disciples' coming grief. That not only has he come near and already anticipated how his mother and what his mother's needs are, but even his friend. And this is something that we've got to do and, and forsake in this age, is that we will abandon friendships. 
not understanding the importance of, of community and how friends come alongside us for life, but we got to dig in and come near to friendships because Jesus shows us that even while dying on a cross, that friendship matters, and I'm going to minister to my friends' grief that in that time of grief, I'm going to give you a mother-like figure. You're going to take care of her, and you're going to take care of her res of financial responsibilities, but she's going to love on you in such a way that even though I'm gone, you will be loved. You will be ministered to. They are knit together, these two. Two sides of a similar coin. Experiencing pain. Experiencing grief. Yet Jesus, at the turn point of history, says, I'll come close and make sure y'all are taken care of. But don't go too far. In verse 25, it said, Now there stood by the cross. If they weren't by the cross, they would not have received the blessing and grace that Jesus intended for them. I think there's a word there for you and me today, that it's by the cross that you and I must go in order to get the things that we need. Because at the cross, where I first saw the light, another, another song said, draw me near, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side, draw me nearer. Near a blessed Lord, if anybody is in need, need of relief from your grief, need of relief from your pain, if you need help moving into your new season of life, whether that's up or down, it's at the cross that you will receive your power. It's at the cross that you will receive whatever it is that you lack. Draw near to that cross. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's on. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Can I ask that you stand up and stretch out just for a moment? Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God some praise while we stand. Hallelujah. Because you're standing on your own strength. Hallelujah. So come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We stretch out. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There are times, there are times in the midst of a service that we pay attention to the chronos. Amen. We pay attention to the clock. But we miss the kairos. 
Amen. And the kairos is when God is doing something right in your midst. It's a time that he set aside to do something. So while she was talking about breaking every chain, it was a time and a moment and space in that time that if you were to just lift up your hands, if you were to just begin to open your mouth and give God some praise, all of your burdens, because it was his kairos that was in the room. Some people caught on and jumped up and stood up and lifted their hands, but other people just sat there and said, let's keep the service moving. We've got to be trained not to miss the kairos of God. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. You can be seated. Amen. Amen. Now, turn it up. I'm good, but y'all started my clock. Amen. Y'all going to give me my minute back. <laughs> Amen. Pastor Benson gave us instructions in the room, and I'm a stickler for instructions. I need them. Amen. So you're going to give me my minute. He told me to tell him to stand up. I didn't say, he's the boss. He said, have the people stretch out, Pastor. I said, okay. And y'all started my clock. Now, as I was sitting here listening to everybody else, you might have caught me turning back to look at the clock. But I was not checking to see if how long they were preaching. I was checking to see if they left me any rollover minutes. <laughs> Amen. Because I was told a certain time. So I figured, hey, somebody leaves something on the books. Amen. I can take it. So I have the challenge of bringing you the fourth word with a little bit of time. Amen. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to cut it off at the front, cut it off at the rear, and warm it up in the middle. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to stand before your people. We don't take it lightly, but we declare our dependence upon you. Thank you for this church and for the journey that you have them on. Meet every need, Father, whether financial, whether manpower, whether it's equipment. Meet every need that this church might be a light, Father, in these darkened times. A draw from the east, draw from the west, the north and the south. Let people find refuge at New Direction. Let souls be saved and souls delivered. Now bless our time in your word as you, as you have done thus far. We say thank you right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Matthew 27, verses 45 and 46 reads like this. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. There was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, set bathane. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want to talk for the time that I have about commitment to execution commitment to execution. To execute means to carry it out fully all the way to the end without any partiality. 
to stay committed no matter what you're facing or committed to performing the task all the way till the end. Now, this text gives us one of the most intimate looks into the soul of Jesus. Amen. One of the most intimate looks into the soul of Jesus. And like the pastor that came before me said, Jesus did not just only come to die on the cross. Jesus is his, his ministry was really threefold. Number one, he came to show humanity what God was like. This is why the Bible says that you and I are being transformed into his likeness. Because what's missing in the world is what God is like. The second thing he came to do uh, that was part of his mission was he came to show us how to relate to God. This is why he often prayed openly, and he would often say, Father, I'm not saying this for them or for me. I'm saying it for them. He was trying to show us how we could be in a harmonic relationship with God. And the culmination was that he would die. He would die. All this was necessary. So in the text, you get to see into the soul. Of Jesus. Now, 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 if you are if you are an Avengers fan, amen. When they went for the infinity stones, there was one stone that required an exchange. He said, You can only get the soul stone by paying for it for another soul. Oh God, help me preach just for a little while. All right. So Jesus. Jesus says and sets this up back in Matthew 26. He says in verse 38, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. Even unto death, tear here and watch with me. And he went a little further and said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass me. Nevertheless, I'm committed to the execution." Nevertheless, let your will be done. He lets you into the weight that he was carrying while he was on his way, while he was hanging there on the cross. Three important facts, and then I'm going to move. Three important facts about our text. Number one, darkness covered the land. I love this statement. I love that it tells you and me that darkness covered the land from sixth hour to the ninth hour. And at the very ninth hour is when Jesus makes this statement. It's at this ninth hour that he begins to confess that, hey, with a loud voice, why have you forsaken me? This lets you know that God is very intentional about everything that he does. Amen. You're not here by mistake. You were here for such a time as this. Now, if you don't know that you're here for such a time as this, then you will waste your time. And in consequential matters, darkness, from a scriptural standpoint of view, always speaks of a condition. The earth was full of darkness. It was void and full of darkness. You were sometimes darkness. Yeah. 
it speaks of a condition. So in this condition, Jesus says, why have you forsaken me? Now get this, rock with me. He is the light of the world. But yet he's allowing darkness to reign. The Bible says when God created the world, he, he created light, and he had, darkness was already there, but he divided the light from the darkness. He did not move the darkness. The light was there to provide a way out of darkness. That's why he sends you as lights to dark places so that you can be his instrument to provide a way out. First thing you have to observe is the darkness. The second thing you have to observe is the changing or the shift in the relationship. Oh, God. This is the only time that you will find Jesus talking about his father as God only. Nowhere else in the Bible does Jesus talk to God and say, God, every other time he says, Father. Because father is a nurturer. Father is a, a carer. Father is the one that's watching over you. He provides for your physical need. He said that Satan was the father of lies. And what that means is that when Satan plants a lie, he fathers it until we believe it. Jesus said he's a father of lies. So this is what he says. He says, listen. I am calling you God now. Because what I'm going through right now, what I need right now, I need God. Only God can comfort your soul. Amen. We eat comfort foods. But only God can comfort your soul. The second thing is the shift in the relationship. He calls them God. Then he gets to the last one I want to hit is the interrogative of why. Now, none of us like this. Amen. Out of all of them, the who, what, where, when, why, and how, we don't like why and how. Because why and how always speaks to sovereignty, which means decisions were made that you had nothing to do with. Now, if you had a southern parent from back in the day, not today, they taught you how to understand sovereignty. Because you would ask why, they say, because I said so. There was never an explanation given. Why are we eating this? Because it's what we got. Jesus, Jesus asked, why? Why have you? forsaken me. I know what it feels like to be forsaken by people. I know that because the Bible says that the disciples forsook him and fled. So I know what it feels like to be forsaken and I know what it feels like to be left. But what I'm seeing in the text is you didn't leave me because I'm talking to you. Because I'm talking to you, I know you're still in the vicinity, but how come I can't feel you? How come I can't feel you at this moment? You're in my vicinity, but I can't feel you. 
Jesus said, why? Why you take away my peace? Why you taking away my stability in this moment? Why have you forsaken me? As one of the other ministers said while they were up here, I forsook you. I'm forsaking you because I got some people that I don't want to forsake. God help me preach. I got some folks that I don't want to forsake. You can handle it because you have a promise that you're going to get back up. You have a promise that you're going to get back in the right place with me. So I can turn my back on you for just a moment. But there's some people coming that I can't turn my back on. Because they can't handle it. Why have you forsaken me? How come I can't feel your peace? I'm used to going through. People, I've had Pharisees come to me and, and tell me they were going to kill me. I would walk right through them and act like they ain't say nothing. I had, I had things happen where they wanted to stone me, and I just walked right by it. I never, ever questioned it because I felt your presence. I felt your strength. But right here in this moment, why have you forsaken me? For you. Martin. Isaiah said it best. He said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. Listen, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. All that was for you. All that was for you. And he says, listen, here's the second reason why, why I did it. Because I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to run out like the disciples did. And I'm never going to forsake you because I paid for you on the cross. Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Because I love Martin. You put your name in there. Because I love Chris. I love Kim. I love Madison. I love all of these people. That's why I've forsaken you. Listen, let's not lose sight of the price that's paid. And as I close with this right here, we don't do a good enough job of understanding that the gift came with a cost. It's not free, beloved. You treat free stuff differently than the stuff that you pay for. This was paid for. He was forsaken for us. Father, why hast thou forsaken me? God bless you. How is everyone today? Good, good. All right, so I'm going to be reading out of John chapter 19, verses 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. Father God, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the wonderful people here. Lord, please let me decrease and let you increase. Don't let them hear my voice and my thoughts, but God, let them hear your voice. Lord God, we love you, praise you, and thank you. And in Christ, we pray, amen. So the title of this is called, is called He Understands. And um, the way that God like kind of put this in me, which was kind of weird, I was watching Star Wars, all right? And I was watching this, um, it was like an episode, and Anakin, uh, Anakin is a super powerful Jedi. I mean, he's like overpowered. And basically, 
Anakin was going to free a bunch of like slaves. And so when he went to this planet to save them, a bunch of the, the slaves were, were trying to downplay what like who he was because like to a slave, someone who comes down with this with this sword, they can move things with like their hands. He comes off as this as this like he's all about politics, he's super powerful, he's this godlike being. He doesn't like understand. But little did they know that Anakin was raised as a slave. Little did they know that Anakin as a kid lived as a slave and watched his mother die as a slave. And so as they were coming at him, the, the one thing that he said that made them shut up, he said, guys, I understand. I've been there. And that's where this title comes from of he understands. Because Jesus in this part of, the, of, you know, of his last like seven words, he is expressing a need that will never be met in this moment. Jesus was thirsty, and he did not receive a replenishing liquid. He actually received sour wine. And to be honest, I don't necessarily classify sucking from a sponge as drinking, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it's pretty, that's, that's, it's pretty bad. And in this part, we actually see the humanity of Jesus come out. Because, I mean, his heart is literally failing. His body is drying up. He says, I thirst. I can only imagine how crazy his voice sounded in this in this moment. And while we are not being tortured and murdered in America for, you know, believing in Christ, we all have something in our lives where we feel that we have needs that are not met. And no matter how clearly we ask God, no matter how clearly we ask people, there are some things that will not just be met. I have a really bad stutter. I pray to God about this for all of my life. I still stutter. There are times where I'm ordering, I'm like, and she's just like, yo, bro, can you just talk? And I'm, there's nothing I can do. You know, God has given me that burden, and, you know, I just have to deal with that. And Jesus echoes the same thing. And it can be hard to understand that, you know, that, there is a, that, that, that we have a God that is literally the master and the ruler of the universe. And it is crazy to think that a man that powerful can understand how we feel. That a man that performed miracles, a man that rose people from the dead can understand our puny little feelings. A man that ascended to heaven like Superman understands our feelings. It's, it's sometimes it's you know, like it is it is so easy to just say oh you know um my car broke down but God's here <laughs> sometimes it doesn't feel like easier I'm just being honest sometimes it doesn't feel like it and sometimes it is super hard to understand but let me tell you Jesus understands all of our emotions Jesus understands how we feel and yes I believe that Jesus coming to earth was for many things but I do believe one of the reasons that Jesus came in flesh and, and blood was to live as a human being and I'm going to read Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. It says, says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the, the, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people." So, yes, we have a God that is omnipotent, that is everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes, he knows our thoughts. Yes, he knows our cravings. Yes, he knows that you fell in the shower last night. I fell in the shower last night. Not going to lie. It was kind of embarrassing. But here is the catcher, though. 
The catcher is that Jesus knows how you feel. And let me, and let me do you one better. Jesus understands how you feel. Yes, he is God, right? And yes, yes, God. Okay, okay. And, and you might say, oh, yeah, he's God. He, of course, God automatically knows how you feel. It's great. Okay, Captain Obvious. But, but Jesus, knows, Jesus knows the details and the complexities of what makes us human. Jesus knows every single thing about you because he was human too. So when Jesus says, I thirst, when Jesus says, I thirst, he is not just saying that. He, he's the, it is not just a message saying that, oh, yo, I need some water. It is that I understand. Because a lot of us aren't just thirsty for water. Some of us are thirsty for a marriage. Some of us are thirsty for friendships. Some of us are thirsty for so many things. I'm like, but, but, but Jesus says, but Jesus understands. Yeah. Why? Because he thirsted too. Yeah. And so there are two things that I want you to just take away uh, from this. When, and, when you feel like, and when you feel like no one understands how you feel, just read that verse. And, and think of these two things. Jesus understands that you need. I'm not going to tell you that. And, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jesus is, is, is always going to give you what you need because it's not true. Jesus, and the second thing is Jesus understands your pain. Jesus knows what we need because he knows how it feels in you. Jesus under, understands your pain because he endured pain. And I, and I believe that sometimes we fail to understand that Jesus took all of our sins on the cross. Sometimes we fail to understand that Jesus took the sins that we committed and the sins that we are going to commit. So, so think about this. A man that took the sins that we are going to commit and the sins that, have, that we have committed, what, how does that make you not think that that man doesn't understand who you are? And so when I, and so when I tell you that, right? Because, you know, some of us here are going through depression and sadness. Think about this. God understands your pain. God understands your anxiety. God understands your depression. God understands your anger. God understands your unmet need. And God understands every single thing about you. But, but and, and this is the part that rocked me. He, God understands. But do you understand that God understands? And, and not just do you understand that God understands are you living like you understand because you might not be happy that you might not be happy at the church at Chirac, but are you serving happily not just are you serving with with the negative phrase but are you serving happily you might not be happy with the job that you have but are you still trying your best to be the best servant to your boss you might not be happy with your spouse today are you still waking up kissing them on the head and praying over them every morning I know my parents, oh, man, I put them through a lot. And, but I will say this. My mom and dad every morning would grab my forehead, even though I didn't want to be touched in the morning, and they would pray over me every day. Because I know the way I was acting. They were like, God, are you real at this point? You know? But Jesus understood. You know why? Because we do the same thing to him. So... Okay, God understands, right? So now we have to understand. We have to understand that the battle it is already won. We have to understand that even though that unmet need might not ever be met, God is still beside us through the pain. See, we get dried up throats. Jesus had a dried up body on the cross. We get headaches. Jesus had a crown of thorns piercing into his head. Sometimes we don't think about how, how crazy that is. Our fingers hurt from texting. Bruh. Jesus had nails in his hands. 
Jesus understands more than you will ever know. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a youth pastor. I'm in the I'm in the craziest era at this point where like these kids come to me with the most wildest things. And I want to be very candid and clear. We have kids that come to us saying, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. So these are the things that we are dealing with. And 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 we have to point them to the word and say, Hey, God understands who you are. God, God made you this way for a reason. God says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, that you were formed. We have to understand. And so um, there's this guy on uh, YouTube I follow. His name is um, Alan Parr. I think you should take a look at him. Super awesome. But this is a quote. He says this. For Jesus, the purpose of God meant suffering. And this passage is an example to all of us that God's purpose for all of our lives will include pain and suffering, not understanding and frustration. But one thing to know is God is always behind the scenes, that he knows what is going to happen and that all things work for his glory and for his good. Stop making the pain about you and make the pain about him. So when you are going through times of life where you are just not in the, in the best foot, Stop making the pain about yourself and point it to Jesus. Prime example. So instead of saying, hey, my life is trash, you can say, okay, my life is trash, but God. But God. But God. My, you know, I woke up today with, with my back hurting, but thank God I got to wake up this morning because some people didn't get to wake up. And so this is my closing uh, statement. Live like you understand. And know that Jesus understands every single thing about you. When you understand that Jesus understands, you will, you will see a different perspective. And throughout, and when you and when you read over this whole theme of like the last seven words, understand that Jesus is all coming through a different perspective. G, like these words that Jesus said thousands of years ago, we're still we're still preaching about them today. Different points are being made every day about this passage. You know why? Because Jesus understood. I noticed one thing about everybody else when they got up here. I'm the only old school. I write everything down. Technology and me don't get together sometimes. And I write in pencil. <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I can change. Amen. Amen. I got a lot of notebooks. First, giving honor to God, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to come before you, uh, to Pastor Benson and Pastor Steve. It's, um, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a word today. Let us bow. Dear Heavenly Father, I do come. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for allowing me to come to deliver this word on today. Yes. Father, I just pray that you will take me out of self, fill me with your blessed Holy Spirit, so that I may declare your word with power and authority. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart 
be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And God's people say amen. Amen. The scripture of today's message will be taken from John chapter 19 and verse number 30. And it reads as thus. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. I want to speak to you around this topic, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. And for a self-thought, we have the victory. I remember back in the day, and I'm kind of dating myself, that I used to watch this program um, that came on. Uh, it was the late 60s, early 70s, called Mission Impossible. And then it was a team, <laughs> it was a team of special agents that went on co covert missions against hostile Iron Curtain enemies. And they always had the option of accepting the mission or not. But they never turned it down. And they always uh, completed the mission. Um, a mission, and we'll give you the definition of a mission, which is an important goal or purpose that is accompanied by strong conviction and a calling or vocation. Um, the most important element of a mission is the purpose. What's the reason for it? We know that the most important goal of Jesus was the atonement. He came to pay a debt that we could not pay. He was the only one that could voluntarily lay down his life and take it back up again. John 10.10 10 says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus doesn't just want you to uh, merely possess or get eternal life, but he wants us to possess the full experience of this life. He wants us to have that abundant life. That means all the other extra things before we get to be with him. He came because Satan wants to counsel all of our blessings. And he wants to come to block Satan's program. Because Satan wants to discourage us. So he came for not only for the atonement, but he has some other reasons why he came. He came so that he could take the sting out of death. He took the, the purpose of death is as a punishment. 
But Jesus came and took all of the effect from death. He paid it all. We don't have to worry about paying. Death is the result of sin. And Jesus came to pay our sin debt that only he could pay. When Jesus came, he was 100% God and 100% man. He had the nature of deity and also the nature of humanity. All of that wrapped up in one person. All of you Bible scholars know that's the hypostatic union. Came as a perfect sacrifice because he had no sin in him. And because he came and died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, he said, it is finished. He was saying that it's a wrap. Father, I have come and I have accomplished everything that you sent me to do. So your sins and my sins are taken care of. It reaffirmed our victory. Our sin debt was paid in full. Jesus also came to do the will of the Father. When he went out into the Mount of Olives with his disciples to pray, as he often did. He went off from the disciples because, you know, sometimes those around us can distract us. Because Jesus has some serious praying to do. And when he prayed, he said to the Father, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. It doesn't say so in the text, but in my glorified mind, I think that he was saying, or he looked into the cup and saw all of those sins that he had to pay for. Your sins, my sins, everybody's sins that he had to pay for. And his, in his humanity, he did not want to face them. You know how we are. We don't want to do nothing else that somebody else did. We don't want to pay for it. But Jesus took it all. He took care of all the things that we couldn't take care of. In Luke chapter 19, he says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. When he said it is finished, his mission was complete. The scripture was fulfilled. He had endured the wrath of God and fully atoned for the sins of the world. Jesus is our Jehovah Nisi. He is the God of our victory. Songwriter said, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin have left the crimson stain. He washed it whiter than snow. 
So no matter how rocky the road ahead, we should rejoice because Jesus is with us. It doesn't matter how high the mountain. When the Lord is with you, there is peace in the midst of your problems. When Jesus is with you, there is calm in the midst of your crisis. When Jesus is with you, there is gladness in the midst of your sorrow. And if Jesus is with you, there is hope for your tomorrows. If Jesus is with you, there is assurance in the midst of your affliction. I don't know about you, but I have decided I will rejoice and lift up the name of Jesus because if Jesus stands by me, he will give me a light to shine in my darkness. He will give me a straight path to walk when I can't find my way. He will lift me up when I have fallen down. He will give me a strong hand to hold when I am feeling weak. I will rejoice because the Lord is blessing me right now. When I was in the midst of my pig pen, when I was wallowing in the mud and the mire and in the slop, he reached down and picked me up, placed my feet on solid ground. Now I'm clean through the word. Jesus is the word. He brought us from a mighty long way. That's victory. Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. He paid that debt that we could never pay. You should give him a shout just for that. You should give him a shout because you're here right today. You shouldn't sit on your rusty dusty and not praise the Lord. The Lord is good to you because he's blessing you right now for just letting you be here amongst the saints. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. We could never pay it. We could never pay it. Jesus is the only one that could took care of it. He was 100% God and he was a perfect man. We have fallacies. We will mess up. We might have messed up before we came in here. We could have messed up just sitting in here. Because if your mind ain't right, if you ain't thinking right, you still messed up. But Jesus still loves us in spite of. He paid it all, saints. He paid it all, and all to him we owe. He cleaned us up from what we went through. And I can tell you about me. I don't know about nobody else, but I was out there doing everything that I thought that was I was big and bad enough to do. And I haven't been saved all of my life. Matter of fact, I haven't been saved half of my life. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, <laughs> but I'm old school. <laughs> but I see my sisters here, and they can tell you how I was. Thank God for a praying mother and praying sisters because they kept me covered. Needed a covering because I could not do the things that I should be doing. They were examples for me. 
that I might join them in the family of God. So just remember this. Jesus paid your sin debt for you to do what he has called you to do. We shouldn't have to worry about doing the things for Christ because of all that he did for us. We had the victory. We had the victory. Even though he went to the cross, it didn't seem like it was a good thing. But my Bible tells me all things are good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, according to his purpose. Even though you might be going through something and you might look at it, how is this good to be? It might not look good. It might not feel good. But it's working for your good. It's a benefit. Everything we go through is a benefit to get us to where the Lord wants us. God bless you. Father, we ask right now that you'd stand in my body and think with my mind, speak with my lips, and love with my heart. Whatever you want to say to us today, Jimmy Johnson is available to you. And I thank you for all that you'll say and do. For it's in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said amen. Amen. Um, to this great pastor, and to all of these prelates and potentates and these men of God. I was doing all right till I saw Pastor Chris Brown. I wanted to go home. Pastor Joe Price. I'm old school too. To Pastor Tony Benson, my friend and my brother. To Pastor Steve, I'm so encouraged today. I got the last word. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 46, and I'm reading it out of the New International Reader's Version of the Bible, and it says, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into thy hand. I commend my spirit. After he said this, he took his last breath. Can I read verse 47? The Roman commander saw what had happened. He praised God and said, Jesus was surely a man who did what was right. Come on here, somebody. The crucifixion of Jesus was a landslide victory for the Father and an attractive redemption plan for man. Easter is not a biblical celebration for the Christian, but a commercial propaganda for the world. Easter eggs and Easter bunnies all concoctions of Satan to draw your attention away from Jesus Christ because Satan lost at the cross. The Christian celebrates resurrection of Christ 
for that's what he did. He rose from the grave early that Sunday morning. Prepositionally, the cross symbolizes a new beginning for every sinner since the beginning of time. And this new beginning was confirmed by these final expressions from the cross. So with that being said, my assignment today is to try and encourage you with his last expression from the cross. John said in chapter 19 and verse 30, I heard Jesus say it is finished and he took a bow. And when he bowed y'all, all heaven erupted. I mean it erupted into a loud shout applauding his finished work on the cross. Come on here, somebody. And that's where Luke picks up the story and he says, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Meaning he grabbed his relationship that he had with him before the world had began and before he took flight from his earthly pilgrimage. New direction when he said, Father, into thy hands, it shows his sovereignty even at his weakest point physically, meaning he had power to choose whose hands he wanted to be in, and he had power to choose whose hands he didn't want to be in. He didn't want to be in the hands of the angry mob. He didn't want to be in the hands of the Pharisees. He didn't want to be in the hands of the high priest. Listen, y'all, people who were enemies became friends over the crucifixion. Y'all not going to say nothing yet. Then I he heard the Spirit of God saying that he commended his spirit right through here. It meant that he conferred his trust back to his daddy. It is a place that all who come somewhere along the line, you got to get to the place where you commend something or get something back. In other words, he said, here, daddy, here's my spirit. After he gave his life, then he died. He made his great escape. He made his exodus off the stage. He he dashed into glory. They didn't kill him. He voluntarily and by his own power gave his life. He was still in control while he was dying. He knew that he couldn't get out of the contract, so he got into the contract. He is still the master. The Pharisees and the Sadducees nor the scribes took his life. For I heard Jesus say in John chapter 10 and verse 18, no one takes my life from me. I give my life of my own free will. I have the authority to give my life, and I have the authority to take my life back. That is why the Father ordered me to do so. Y'all not going to say nothing yet. There, they, they thought that they were looking at a reality of death, but in actuality, they were looking at eternal life, and you can't kill eternal life. Y'all not going to say nothing yet. Jesus died confidently. Jesus died willingly, and Jesus died victoriously, and you can't, you might as well get into this because you can't get out of it. You can't get no better than Jesus dying confidently. You can't get no better than Jesus dying willingly. You can't get no better than Jesus dying victoriously. He commended his life because he had power and authority to do so. Come on here, somebody. He did die, but is dying. He died so that me and you might be able to live. I like the way Paul put it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 15 and, 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 and Hosea chapter 13 chapter there. Oh, death, where is your sting? 
Oh, grave, where is your victory? Listen, y'all, I don't think that any one of the expressions that we heard so far today is more important than the other. The truth of the matter is they are all important. Have you ever thought of it this way? The seven expressions here represents the many different phases that me and you will experience in life. Jesus on the cross was transitioning out of here, and, and, and you say things when you are transitioning that is so profound. Have I got a witness here? It is also worth noting right through here that Jesus' first expression from the cross started with Father, and his last expression from the cross ended with Father. Y'all not going to say nothing yet. Jesus was showing us how to die. Many of us try to die in many different kind of ways, but Jesus was simply showing us how to die. As a matter of fact, he modeled this thing so well, I don't need a preacher to commit his body to the ground. Why? Because he committed his spirit back to his father. You see, folks, he did his own committal at the gravesite because he wasn't going to stay dead. That's why he got a borrowed tune from Joseph of Arimathea. You don't need to buy something if you ain't going to stay there long. Jesus needed it for about three days. So why buy something when you can just borrow something? Y'all not going to say nothing yet. Listen, y'all, whatever it is that you are going through, always know whose hands you ought to be putting your or committing your cares to. The hymn writer said, there is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. Jesus is the one I want to leave my cares with. Jesus is the one that I want to leave my troubles with. He is God all by himself. Can't no ordinary man do this. Only God can pull this off. Come on here, somebody. I'm going to take my seat. But before I take my seat, can I do it? I need to let you know that he labored with infallibility. He majored in masculinity. He worked in intensity. He talked in posterity. He walked in probity. He stood in integrity. He spoke with authority. He dressed with propriety. He lived in humility. He rejoiced in ecstasy. He soared in serenity. He died in dignity. He rose in victory. He rests in tranquility. And he lives in eternity. We haven't lost him because we know where he is. The crucifixion was a landslide victory for the Father and an attractive redemption plan for man. Father, into thy hand I commit my spirit. Hallelujah. 